Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Hit that thumbs up for me below the video if you're watching on YouTube, because we have a special one for you today. Some would say five years in the making. Mm -hmm. And unless you're in Missouri or you're in Illinois, he's not licensed in your state, but that's okay. He's a cold hero of sports radio commercials that has spanned generations. He's a partner men can count on. He's Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell. Right. See, and the crowd goes wild if this wasn't an audio platform that people were listening to in their car or on YouTube right now. But Joe, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for coming on. I know people are going to love the tickle of your twang. Are you aware of how popular you are here in Philadelphia? Um, I, I actually knew that that I, the ads had been running there for a while, but you know, I perhaps may have thought of it more as infamy than fame. But <laughs> I am glad to hear that those those dollars uh, were not wasted entirely. So <laughs> people people have now grown up listening to you on sports radio and your commercials, and now they are having children of their own. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Old. Let me tell you, I, I remember 30 years ago when I would I would have conversations about issues like relating to advertising on radio and whatnot. And I had some understanding of what's going on. But I can tell you the world's different now. And the, the, the subject now is so complicated that unless you're a digital native is what they're calling kids born in, in this century. <laughs> unless you're a digital native, you know, the, the media world has changed dramatically. And I don't know how you guys keep track of all the options that your potential potential listeners may choose. Joe, when you uh, what was your first reaction when your your PR guys came to you and they said, hey, we have an opportunity. It's a little unique. There's these two guys in Philadelphia and they do a show. It's about sports. Doesn't have anything to do with domestic litigation, but you're a cult figure out there. What, what how did you how did you respond when this was presented to you? Well, you, you know, it's interesting. You guys did use the word uh, cult figure, and I had never heard that associated with me. And so I thought, you know, th- this sounds interesting. And so, yeah, it, it definitely piqued our interest. You, um, So you do the line, uh, I'm not licensed in your state, which has become this, this popular catchphrase out here, like this buzzword. Everybody knows the Joe Cordell, I'm not licensed in your state. But it's more, it's more than that, right? Because I understand you you actually have to say that as a legal requirement because, you know, you have to have a, have a pass the bar or whatever and have a license to operate in a certain state, right? Yeah. Cordell and Cordell has offices in how many, I think 45 or 46 states. So, uh, so each state has its own rules regarding advertising for lawyers and lawyers are very highly regulated. And so to come up with a disclaimer that meets the criteria of those, you know, 40, six different standards, you know, eats up most of the time that, that we have for a commercial. So it's interesting that, that we have to sell these things that if we were in any other profession, it wouldn't be necessary. Do you have to sit there and record 46 different commercials? (laughs) Thankfully, no, but I can tell you that the guy I'm looking at right now that handles our editing and video and whatnot, he sits there and creates essentially 46 different commercials. Yeah. Are, Are you still international? I remember listening to a, uh, an interview a couple of years ago, so it might not be anymore. But are you guys still international? Yeah, we, we're in the UK. So is yeah. it like, hey, cheerio, bruv. I'm not licensed in your union, but hey. 
That's okay. Hey, let me tell you, if we could get you to do that voice, then it probably <laughs> uh, if we would probably take that. We we definitely decide not to use my voice in the UK. <laughs> Joe, cut the check, man. I, I can do a mean uh, Union Jack impression. Um, when you when you started uh, advertising on Sports Talk Radio. It had to be like a, a no-brainer in Philadelphia, right? Because you probably looked at a picture of an Eagles fan. You're like, that guy's definitely going to get divorced. He's a maniac during <laughs> Eagles games. I'm going to be making money out of the wazoo. And it also probably doesn't hurt that uh, the audience is 99% male listeners, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. And, you know, sports towns, I can tell you that it does make a difference for us because we need a forum where guys gather. And, and, there, and it needs to be concentrated as opposed to distributed among a hundred different forum. And so with, with towns like, um, uh, well, Pittsburgh, I would say this as well, as well as Philly. And, and we can think of a number. St. Louis, of course, fits this profile. Cincinnati to some extent. These are towns where uh, they're not major cities. And at the same time, they, they have um, this very devoted fans base. And those guys gather to listen to a relatively few, like maybe two sports stations will dominate the, the market entirely. And they are substantial cities. It's not as if these are real small cities. These are substantial. So, yeah, you guys uh, and, and stations like you around the country, you're really the opportunity that we have to talk to our potential clients. Joe, what does what, what the marketing process entail? I mean, do you collect data? Do you look specifically for men 25 to 54? What are some of the other platforms you guys target? How, how does the whole marketing and advertising uh, arm of the firm work out? Well, if you had asked me that question uh, 25 years ago, I probably could have answered it. I know I could have in great detail. So I'll <laughs> tell you more generally how it's done today. And, and there are others who could answer that better. But our you know, we've always pretty much focused on guys in the age group between 35 and, say, 50, uh, about that 15-year range. Um, and and the reason is that guys who come to us generally have been married long enough to have a lot at stake. You know, they're, they're children, of course, and that's the primary ingredient for somebody who comes to Cordell and Cordell. But, but I would say, though, in recent years um, – assets have become a larger factor in the divorce that disputes over property. So again, that means somebody who probably has been married for a while. Um, so, so our, that's the, the general age group that we target. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to say other criteria. We, we do do some research regarding the number of divorces in certain areas, but that's so sketchy. There's no single database where you can track that. Um, so it's still, too much art and not enough science to to the the whole marketing subject today. Is is Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell? Uh, do you guys go digital? I mean, I know sports radio is your bread and butter. Or commercials around here. Are you guys going digital anytime soon? Yeah, we we do spend a substantial part of our budget is spent online now, and you know, terrestrial radio was eighty percent of our budget twenty years ago, and uh, now it's almost flipped. So, so we, we still, we want digital radio, uh, satellite radio, uh, but we do terrestrial. You know, there is a very loyal base of, of terrestrial listeners that belies, you know, the, what we see around us. We see people working from home. You know, we, we've seen a pandemic where people, you know, weren't working at all. They weren't buy, buying products or services. So you think if people aren't in the car, surely they're not listening. But as you guys demonstrate, people listen. 
and and they 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 will search out wherever they can get that information. People listen to this one. So if you're looking to expand your digital properties into Philadelphia, you know, we're all ears. We'll get you in touch with our people. You get us in touch with your people. We'll shake hands. We'll make it go. Okay. All right. I, <laughs> you, Justin's writing it down right now. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned assets and we're a sports show. So I think there's a really interesting conversation here. Um, sort of a random sidebar, but any unique sports related stories you remember from one of your cases, any bitter fights over like season tickets or sports memorabilia. I remember there was a, there was a Cubs fan back when they went to the world series and he was in the middle of a divorce and the judge rewarded him uh, tickets to, I want to say game four, but he had to get his wife a ticket of equal or more value when they were going for like $3,000 at Wrigley field. Any, any stories come to mind? Yeah, well, stuff relating to sports are are commonly a feature. Um, now, PSLs, for example, um, have come up more than once where it was an asset that was acquired during the course of the marriage. Typically, we've had it happen both ways. And because it was acquired during the course of the marriage, it's irrelevant that it came maybe from the, from the guy's check. Uh, still, it's a marital asset. So when it comes time for divorce, then it's a matter of the court deciding what to do. But there's there's a single name on that PSL contract. So so technically, the, the court doesn't have the power to void the contract. It can order an asset sold, but it can't change the fact that it's in the name of one party. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's resolved in a couple of ways. Uh, in one case, uh, I can think of specifically in which uh, it was negotiated. Everything else was settled. That was the last remaining issue. And uh, and so the, the, the court said, look, you guys work this out or we're going to try this whole case. So there's pressure for everyone to settle it. And finally, the deal that was struck is the wife's counsel says, OK, my client will take 15 games a year for the next 10 years. What sport so, are we talking about? Do you remember? Uh, I think this was Cubs. OK, no. I think it was Cubs. Uh, but. Yeah, I think it it, it, it was uh, Wrigley has PSLs, right? So most most and, teams do. Anyway, so um, they were so anxious to get it over with that this wasn't my case; it's one of our cases, one of our court unquote attorney cases, and um, and they the, the judge was so anxious to get it over with that you know, when the settlement agreement was prepared, uh, they didn't specify any particular days. We didn't choose to specify the days, and it's the opposing counsel's responsibility to look over it and. And they, they looked over it, and the 15 days were listed. So judge signs it. It's one and done. And then, you know, my client declares to her that, look, you know, I'm going to make available to you 15 days in April and May, which apparently <laughs> is desirable in Chicago. Um, so, so, you know, that probably is set up to end up back at court, but I don't know what their argument would be because it was something where you've got to nail it down. But you know what commonly happens, I'll tell you, in cases involving uh, sports specifically as memorabilia is mm. often things disappear early in the case. And this happens on both sides and never with, with our approval, I'll tell you, would we have a client, you know, grab uh, personal items and moving out of the house and then fail to list them later because, you know, all the items, both sides sign under oath that they're listing their assets. It's called an inventory or statement of property. But, but strangely, what happens is either the wife will take off, in which case she'll grab a, a collection of sports cards. It could be baseball cards, whatever, and she's gone. And then later, you know, there's the argument, did these specific cards ever exist? And, and the problem with, when some, either side leaves with, with things like that is there are no records. It's difficult to establish. 
and it's very messy to clear it up because the judge is really in a position where there's no evidence that these things ever existed. So sometimes it's a matter of actually going back wow. and tracing purchases through joint accounts over the years. So, it, you know, it can end up creating things that have emotional value. I can tell you in divorce, if you were to say, what is one of the primary reasons that divorces result in, in crazy money being spent in lawyers? Well, custody, of course, we all understand that there's a rationality there, but, but, Often it's things that have a whole lot of emotional attachment to them. And when when a guy who has been collecting cards, for example, for many years is is told that this is a marital asset and that that, you know, some of the cards, though he may have collected them before he got married, maybe as much as half the collection, there's this concept called commingling. So he may have continued this hobby. And it could be shirts with uh, with signatures, whatever it might be. He would continue this hobby into the marriage. And then there's a divorce years later. And because these assets are, quote unquote, commingled, then the court will often take the position that this is now a marital asset entirely. So so what I'm getting at is like sometimes like, you know, you can take the kids, you can take the house, you can take the beach house, but please give me back my Mickey Mantle rookie card because I'm going to need that. And uh, also what I got from it was, fellas, if you're listening out there, put the put the seat licenses in your name. okay? if you want the tickets and you want most of the games, you want to give your wife 15 tickets or 15 days in April when it's 45 degrees and she's watching the fills, put the tickets in your name. Yeah, Chicago in April and May, man. They should have done like a weather clause or something like that to help them out. See, vindictive. I, think, I love it. I think my wife would probably be like, you can keep all that crap. I don't want any of that anyway. I don't think she likes it in the first place, you know. So I think I would be okay. But Joe, I um so I understand you're not you're not really a sports fan, but you're in you're into horse racing. You go to the Kentucky Derby a lot. Yeah, I'm uh we go to the my family started going to the Kentucky Derby many years ago when I was probably 12, 13 years old. And uh have continued to. I've been to I missed a few, but I've been to 45, 46 derbies. So I'm more a Kentucky Derby fan than I am necessarily a a thoroughbred follower. Are you you from Louisville? Uh, I'm from southeastern Kentucky, about an hour north of Knoxville, Tennessee. So if we didn't, if we, uh, horse racing in Philadelphia, so we were looking for like a Philadelphia horse racing connection. The most uh, popular thing we could find was, do you remember, God, I guess it's almost been, 20 years four, right yeah. at this point 2004 but smarty jones won the kentucky derby and then won the uh won the preakness i guess is, is ran second right and smarty jones joe was like the most famous athlete in the philadelphia region at, at at that time and i'm not i'm not kidding you at all so the context here is that it was 2004 the eagles the sixers the phillies and the flyers we hadn't had a championship in philadelphia since 1983 and so Smarty Jones goes out and he wins the Derby and then he wins the second one. All of a sudden, everybody's on board. They're like, hey, we just need a title in anything. We're going to claim a triple crown if we can get it. So everybody was watching that Smarty Jones and uh, who did he lose to? Birdstone. 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 Yeah, I was watching that race like very intently because we claimed Smarty Jones as if he was one of us. I remember that horse. It had a special story about it. I'm trying to remember. It had a simple uh, beginning. Was that? It wasn't major syndications that that started out owning that horse. Is that right? I think they bought it for like next to nothing. Yeah. Or it yeah. might have had some complications when it was yeah. born and they might have thought about putting it down or something like that. You know what it's happened? Comeback story. Yeah, you know what happened, Kyle? He was born. So, Joe, there's this county west of Philadelphia called Chester County, a lot of farmland and, and a lot of like horse, um, you know, I guess uh, – 
culture out there or whatever. He was born there, but I think he ba- I think he banged his head on something. Right, Kyle? Do you remember that story? Like Some, some comeback like a, story. Like a fracture. It was a very Philadelphia story, right? It's like, I'm going to get cracked in the head, but I'm going to recover. I'm going to go on to win the Kentucky Derby anyway. But um, that was the big thing, and people were into it. I just I would ask you, you know, if we're not – we're not necessarily Kentucky Derby or horse racing fans. Like, what is is that a bucket list item for us? Should we go down and see the Derby? Uh, it's it's a must. I'm telling you, if you if you go, ever go to the Derby, there's a very high probability that you'll go again and again. Uh, it's just it's like nothing else. Um, it for there are a lot of people there who are strictly horse fans, but at more than half probably are people who are just into the pageantry and the event, the enthusiasm. Uh, and it's a full day. It's a sporting event where you get there at 10 o'clock in the morning, you have races all day long and the Derby keeps getting pushed later and later mm-hmm. because of television and whatnot. So yeah. now the Der- I remember when the Derby was run at five o'clock and now the Derby's run at like seven. Yeah. And, and so by the time people have been drinking mint juleps all day long and, 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 you know, a third of the people aren't even aware the Derby's going off when it goes <laughs> off. I mean, it's, it's just a, a whole lot of tradition. You can still smoke cigars and things mm-hmm. there. And, and, and it's just a, a lot, a lot of the, the good things that you associated with traditional events. So when, so when Joe, Joe, when you go to the Derby, and I don't know if you're a betting man, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you look at the, the, the gray mist? Do you look at the Chester Brown? Like, what what do you see in a horse where you're going to the teller and you're being like, hey, listen, I need some shekels on that horse. What do you what do you look for being a guy who's been there for 40 years? Uh, I look for somebody who uh, knows something about the subject. Okay. And, and, and it, <laughs> meaning, there's always somebody at a table. There are these tables you buy, and there will be 10 people at a table. So uh, there's always somebody at the table who's a real serious horse person. So you do learn how to read the, the statistics a little bit in the programs. But uh, but usually if you find that guy, there's always a guy that keeps he'll, – he'll walk up to the window. He'll come back and he'll have tickets in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then the horses are running. And then when, they, when they, they reach the finish line, you see this small celebration around him. And then he's coming back with more money. And so this is the guy to ask, you know, tell me how you're doing this. But but no, I've never been good at betting. I don't bet seriously. So get, get in line. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I'm on a, I'm on a, a cold streak for the ages right now. So you're not the only one. Joe, what is um what, what does the Derby like weekend look like for you? Do, you? do you meet family down there? Do you stay the 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 whole weekend do you have like specific people you go go with like what is the whole whole thing like for you well we uh sometimes we'll arrive earlier in the week uh it's a it's a week event you know they call it derby week and they they have things going on a parade and a boat race the steamboat race and various things uh they have the derby eve concert when i was younger i would go to the derby eve concert um and and now what we'll do is we'll arrive generally on a thursday on Friday, we will uh, probably not go to the Oaks. We've done that a few times. The Oaks are what runs on on Friday, and then the and then you have the Derby on Saturday. So uh, some people will go and spend two full days out at the out at Churchill Downs, which we've never really done. I can't imagine. That. To me, I, I wouldn't have the energy or the focus to finish up the Derby. But there are people who do it. Um, and, and we will uh, generally have a family dinner with the family that comes in from around the, the state primarily. 
and then we'll get together and have a breakfast somewhere, usually at one of the hotels, which will be just before the Derby. And then when we get to the Derby, you know, they have buffet out and, and things. You know, that's the thing is you, when you go to the Derby, you really have to scrape your nickels together because it, depending on where you're sitting, it's a very different experience. Now, I can tell you that when I was in college and was in the infield, I probably had the best derbies of my life, which I don't remember, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure they were great derbies. And they were a while back in the 70s. Um, what were but, they like back in the 70s? Like, Give us like kind of what they were different back then than they are now, because I know it's a big concert. Everyone still dresses up, but there's like a lot more what kind of was like the pageantry? Back I mean, then? in the seventies, there was you know there were literally no rules. The, the attitude of the police yeah. was simply that: look, unless you commit, you know, a homicide, we're not going to take you in. <laughs> and so the jails were already full from the Derby Eve concert the night before. <laughs> so so you have all sorts of just crazy stuff, a sort of Woodstock of sorts in the infield mm -hmm. that's going on. And one, one year, somebody nude climbed the uh, flagpole. And they couldn't nice. get them down and they couldn't get them down. They're completely nude and they couldn't put the cameras. The television stations wanted to show this event, but they couldn't, of course. And um, it, it's just uh, it was a wild uh, uh, day every year. You never knew what to expect. Was that where you got your itch for divorce law, where you're like, you know, I could pick out like 15 different people <laughs> that are going to be future clients of mine right here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I don't know how how good their financial prospects were <laughs> or, or their marital prospects either. Uh, but but I can tell you that uh, that over time we've tried to improve where we sat. And maybe it's just getting older. I mean, oh, if yeah. I was still that age, I'd probably still be in the infield, but it's a different thing now. Yeah. Uh, but but now it's a matter of, of, you know, getting to a place where you have a good view. And so there's so many options. Churchill Downs is is a facility that has uh, such a various a, a whole panoply of rooms you can be in mm -hmm. with different purposes and different people. So you really need an insider to tell you where you should even shop for tickets there. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So you're you're Kentucky Derby. You know, you love the Kentucky Derby. You practice uh, divorce uh, uh, litigation. What's like Joe Cordell like when he's not, you know, being a lawyer and going to the Kentucky Derby? I mean, I think people want to know. I mean, you've been in their lives longer than some of their wives and girlfriends have. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. Uh, my uh, my wife, the other Cordell, um, she uh, we, we kept it as Cordell and Cordell, but she actually left the firm um, in terms of practicing law. Mm -hmm about 30, what, excuse me, 26 years ago. And the reason I know it's 26 is she left the day before our first child was born. Okay. Mm. So she stayed home and homeschooled our two girls. So she homeschooled them all the way through high school. Damn, I mean, right. was, yeah. So that was her full-time thing and she thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so uh, both of our daughters went to university of Chicago and uh, they're, they're kind of, uh, I guess they're kind of geekish a little like me in a way. Um, and um, one went to law school at University of Chicago. She graduated. She's clerking for a federal judge. Now I'm trying to get her to Cordell and Cordell. All right. Uh, you know, she could become the other Cordell. I was going to say, do you see kind of like, uh, what are we looking at? We're looking at like LeBron James. Uh, Bronny James is going to be in the NBA in a couple <laughs> of years right now. They might play together. You guys are kind of going to be like the Bronny James and LeBron James of sports radio commercials. Cool. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's almost like they, the the younger James decides they want to play baseball. Oh, so in other right. words, in other words, she's my daughter. Uh, she's going to practice law, but but divorce law is not something that I'm not that that she has an interest in at this stage. 
Okay. So you may very well end up practicing law in, in Chicago. <laughs> a house divided. Okay. That's okay, yeah. though. You gotta, so what can you do? It'll work itself out. Hey, Jill, I actually have, I never have a fun here. I actually have a serious question, if we don't mind a serious question. Are we good with a serious question? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's fine because in my, as a sports writer, I have obviously a, a very limited uh, understanding of uh, domestic litigation, but like my, my, the stereotype of the cliche from, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, is like the wife keeps everything, gets the kids, gets the car, gets the house. The dad gets tossed out the street on his rear end and he's like sleeping on the couch at his friend's house. Right. That was always how I looked at it. But I, when I was reading your bio and like the mission statement, I guess, of the firm, like one of the main things that you stressed was that you wanted to make it fair for guys because you felt like the process was kind of tilted, you know, too, too far in one direction. Have we, have we made progress on, on that in, in recent years or do you still think it's the, the courts look at it a certain way? No, there's definitely been progress. Um, and it's, it's much better than it was 30 years ago. It's not a perfectly level playing field, but it's better. I mean, this is, this is really uh I don't like to wave a civil rights flag, so to speak, uh, but but it really is a civil rights issue. And it's it's a shame that it's you know, there's been no one who's been who's carried that that flame uh, as as they have in other areas. Uh, but but it's an area that's gotten too little attention. And that's the stereotyping of guys regarding what their primary role is. And and the idea was was just taken for granted 30 years ago in the vast majority of courts across America that that the guy's primary role is presumptive role. I mean, that they, he could prove otherwise, but the burden was on him to prove otherwise. His presumptive role was as the person who earns money and provides monetary support for the family. And mom's presumptive role was that, that if she chose to stay home forever, she could, uh, and it was his duty to support that. And even if she worked, the, the presumption was that she's going to be a better caregiver than the dad. So she's the recipient of money on behalf of herself and her child. And, and, the, and the husband's job was the ex-husband's job was to go out and, and generate money. And yeah, that yeah. was just taken for granted. And so uh, it wasn't that you couldn't overcome that presumption in most courts. It was that the presumption even existed because it meant that guys would probably lose. Yeah, you should see what the roles look like in my household. We've got a one-year-old girl and a three-year-old girl. I've done just as many poop diapers as my wife has, you know? I'm doing the cooking now. So I think it's all, I think like those molds of what people thought a household looked like mm -hmm. are not necessarily the same anymore. That's true. And and, and in fairness, uh, I have seen, and we've all seen uh, progress. We get together when our attorneys and we have national meetings, you know, we'll talk about what we're seeing in trends. Um, you know, I'll say and this, this is just generalization, I'll say that uh, the discrimination we see is more likely to occur in more rural areas, um, but but still it can happen anywhere. It's almost like it's judge to judge. Um, and 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 so that but still, here's what what's nice about about having an attorney to come in and push back is it, it the analogy is being in a in a courtroom in Mississippi in 1966. I mean, if you're a black person, you know, if you have a lawyer that has a reputation of being a civil rights lawyer for black people, you know, I, I think even in judges chambers, everyone's on their toes a little bit because they're conscious that this lawyer is looking for discrimination. And it's not that they, they may still occur some discrimination, 
but at least everyone is prepared to have it challenged and presumably overcome. And, and so I think that that it's helpful our reputation when we're in the courtroom is that that we're vigilant for any signs, especially regarding custody, uh, that the court is is stereotyping our client. Hmm. Hmm. Um, we got one more for you. Uh, I have a little bit of a hypothetical. Honestly, we don't have a lot of lawyers on here. So if, if, if this is if you want to bill us later, just I'll, I'll send you Kyle Scott's uh, an invoice and you can just bill him. Um, so my hypothetical is, let's say I have an employee and we'll call him Ben um, and he refuses to work. He's unhappy, but I can't fire him because he's under contract. I have to trade him to, let's say, another YouTube uh, channel. But since he refuses to work, I'm taking his money that I would typically pay him and putting it in an escrow until he comes back. So he keeps giving me the runaround and whatnot on why he can't work. But one day he comes in because he's running out of money, but he does a really shitty job. So I have to send him home. I'm forced to send him home. Uh, we go back to the same thing of me withholding money. He continues to hold out. He tries to play a mental health card, but he won't show proof about it to his, to our doctors. But finally, we find a new YouTube channel we trade him to, but then he files a grievance against us to recoup some of that money that we withheld while he refused to work. Isn't that kind of bullshit on Ben's part? This is interesting. Uh, of course, you Raj, you're talking to a divorce lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted some, some lawyer advice on that. So I'm dangerous on anything but divorce law. But, uh, but you know, just a few comments. Uh, if this is an employee, it's really difficult to withhold wages from, from an employee. I mean, you, you run up against federal law. But I, I'm wondering, is this an independent contractor rather um, than employee? Kind of. I would say kind of. He's, he's, he's protected by a collective bargaining agreement. Labor, but labor union. Yeah. Labor yeah he's, talking, he's talking, Joe, about an NBA player here in Philadelphia who had a very oh, messy, messy, very messy uh, – split with the Philadelphia 76ers last year. And and so what where does it stand right now? Well, we traded back. him we traded him to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh after he got traded, he filed a grievance for tw- against us for 20 million dollars to try to recoup some of the money, but the, everything I just described in that how he came back, left, they withhold pay, they gave him back when he came, he left again, wasn't he played a mental health card, wasn't showing proof to the doctors, they withheld pay again. He filed a grievance of 20 million dollars and he actually got some of it paid off. Yeah, which we a lot of us think is bullshit here because he refused to work when he was under contract. Yeah, yeah. Well, they are employees, you know. So and and um, it it's a situation that is raised, I guess, with the whole live thing in golf is mm. the relationship of golfers vis a vis the PGA versus the relationship of a players on a sports team. Yeah, uh, and you know, there they're expected to pursue you know, financial gain. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not surprising that they do. And, and, and people are trying to analogize that to what's going on in live, but I have no idea. It's interesting. The question you raise. <laughs> I don't think anybody has any idea. That's why we're asking anybody that we can find. Mm-hmm. We're asking the Sixers. We're asking Joe Cordell. We're asking anybody just to kind of have a, have a take on it. You know, it was a very, uh, it's a very interesting, uh, story out here in philly i'll say yeah. that much you know yeah. well if the issue impacts his marriage then then you could call me for <laughs> well he didn't joe he didn't get married he was engaged for a couple months mm-hmm. and then they broke it off so the uh, uh, next time maybe maybe they'll take it off maybe they'll actually tie the knot this time so and then and then yeah then you'll come in and represent him but 
Joe, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, for coming on. Like I said, this has been five years in the making. I know this is one, one of Kevin's white whale guests that he really wanted. Yeah. Um, good luck with with everything. We look forward to hearing you and all the sports radio commercials. I hope your lawyers out in the UK are, are following this Queen situation tightly because I think there's an estate that's going to be broken up and maybe you guys get a little piece of the pie. You never know. I can tell you I enjoyed this. And, and I'm glad you followed up and took the initiative that you did. We wouldn't have ended up visiting. So, uh, so thank you. Yeah, no, no, we problem. appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, man. Right, take care. All right. All right. Take care. Oh man. Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell. Kevin, first reaction. That, that was your white whale you've been chasing for five years. <laughs> well, I didn't know where you were going with the Ben Simmons question at first. I was like, is this a Sixers thing here? And then I started to, to piece it together from there. But, uh, no, yeah, that was that. Listen, man. I've had a great journalism career, 15 years. I've done some great interviews. I've ambushed Shady McCoy at a hotel before. This was really? my, this was my Moby Dick. Yeah, this is the interview I wanted more than any more than any other. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. I I, yeah. I hope that's 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 one, <laughs> you know, when you look back on your career, you can always be like, you know what? I didn't win a Pulitzer, but man, did I interview the shit out of Joe Cordell, Cordell and Cordell. But, you know, it was yeah, he was cool too. I mean, so just for, for some of the background here. I think it was like 2018 where I emailed his PR guys, you know, the first time to said, Hey man, this would be, this would be fun. You know, he's like a, everybody knows him for the commercial out here. I think this would be funny. It'd be like a good opportunity too for like him to kind of show who he is and people to get to know him beyond just the, I'm not licensed in your state. So we talked a little bit and then it kind of fell apart. I'm not sure why. And that PR guy, I think ended up leaving and going somewhere else. So I tried again. Now here's the thing. There's a crossing broad uh, reader uh, who, because here, here's the the background here. I wrote in the story about Fisher Investments that they had kind of done a lot more commercials and kind of bumped Cordell to number two, right? Oh, wow. And um, when uh, a crossing broad route, I guess, saw the line in there about we wanted to get Joe on the show, um, mm-hmm. I think they knew somebody who knew somebody. Okay. So, yeah, because then the, their PR people hit us up and they were like, hey, you know, if you're serious about doing this, We'd love to set something up. I was like, hell yeah, I'm serious, man. Let me explain it again. Okay, so we're two doofuses in Philly, but we love this guy's commercials. Like, we're ready to go, man, you know? so Yeah, he's a he's a cult hero. He's a cult hero, and he's, 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 he's spanned generations. I don't even know if WIP or 97.5, I don't even know if he, does he advertise on 97.5? Yeah, you know, his okay. commercials, I think, I don't hear him as frequently as I used to, but man, from like 20... 10 to whatever there's some oh, stuff yeah. here that we didn't even ask him about like he, he was in a pod he was in a podcast studio they've got their own it's like true. cordell and cordell podcast studio i think he's doing a, a new podcast but i think it's about like divorce law and um he's an author too i think he's done a couple books yeah. but it's fine because on their website they have all of his media appearances mm-hmm. and it's like fox news wall street journal cnn or whatever i expect Oprah. to see crossing broadcast right right up there with right them. underneath it yeah i hear you. and hey listen maybe if he does take us up on that digital offer if they're really trying to expand into the digital realm yeah. i'll uh, we'll, we'll yeah. put a little commercial in here for for joe cordell of cordell and cordell so just exactly, cut the check man I will, I will do it he could be the official divorce lawyer of the crossing broadcast too if you want, if you want to. <laughs> i mean kyle scott came into a lot of money just in case yeah. anything happens man that's a good guy to have in your back pocket i'll tell you that kentucky derby though man yeah it's that's that's funny because uh Man, that's like I think that's like on every. Don't you put that on a sports bucket list by default? Like the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, or the yeah, I guess, I guess, I, mean, I guess you got to go. I guess I, I don't know. I think it depends if you're a horse racing guy. Yeah, fine. Yeah, sure. Put it on a bucket list. I don't know. I'm not a huge. It sounded like he was though more into like the spectacle of it. Yeah, not a yeah. not a betting guy. Not a. Yeah. He said he used to go to the uh, where they used to throw the concerts and everything back in the '70s. But now it yeah. seems like he's just probably got a real nice box and he just likes to watch the Phillies. He likes to watch yeah. the Derby. 
yeah, likes to watch yeah. all that. Um, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, the next time we talk on Tuesday, the Eagles will hopefully be one and zero. I want you to, uh, I want you to give me. I think we should have some some predictions on the line uh, on on a physical uh, video of us, so we can go back and look at them later on. First mm-hmm. six games of this of this season. I want a prediction from you. Time to put your nuts on the table. What's your record? It's Detroit away, Vikings home, Commies away, Jags home, Cardinals away, Cowboys home. First six games. What do you have the Eagles? Uh, uh, record after that, four and two. Wow, four and two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think that's comfortable, right? I mean, we don't really. Nobody expects them to go six and zero or five and one out the out the bat, I, right? Do you? Do can you, I, you can, can I raise my hand and say five and one? I mean, they're going to be favored in at least five of these games. Who's who's the, who? Do you have the loss coming to? I would have the loss going out to uh, Cardinals, going out to uh, Scottsdale Cardinals. I just feel like uh, that Cowboys game or that Commanders. I feel like they're. I don't know. I just feel like there's a game that they trip up in early. We are shaping up for a bad loss to either the Jaguars or the Commies, but I think that so the Commies, they don't sell out their stadium. I think we will have a lot of people. There will be a lot of Eagles fans that are going to go down and welcome Carson the first time. That's true. That's true. Yeah, listen, I don't I don't I I just get a little wary of all this stuff, man. I mean, I think that we I think we look at this roster and think it's probably the best roster that they've had on paper since the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. season. But I get a little weirded out when like everybody's on the Eagles bandwagon, man. I mean, it's like it's a little it's a little strange. So you know what? I was right there with you, but then I think Jason Kelsey tempered expectations yesterday. I think the expectations are just that they're fucking nothing. That yeah. quote was like what set me where I was like, you know what? I actually feel good about this because he's right. Whenever we expected them to be good, they sucked. And whenever we expected yeah. them to suck, they're good. But I think they're really doing these things where it's like, hey guys, listen, we're not just gonna sit, we're not just gonna walk into somebody's house and waltz all over them and kick their ass. There's no dream team talk besides that Miles Sanders yeah. comment. AJ Brown, he's he's holding um uh, player only meetings, uh, talking about accountability. Jalen Hurts is talking about the rat poison and whatnot. I mean, you look at it on paper, like you said, man, best O line in the league, top wide receiver combo, top five tight end, D line. This has on paper the making of a team that Kevin, can I can I give you a little prediction of what I think is gonna happen this season? Yeah, go for him. I think Devontae has a thousand yards. I think AJ Brown has double digit TDs. I think Jalen Hurts has forty five hundred total yards between rushing and passing. He had thirty eight hundred, I want to say, last year in, in fifteen games he played. I think they lose. They go twelve and five. Yeah, and I think they lose in the NFC Championship game to the Forty ers I'm bought in. Forty ers huh? To the Niners with uh, with Trey Lance. Trey Lance, maybe Jimmy G. Yeah, because they never traded him, I guess, right? Yeah, um, I mean, maybe Jimmy G, maybe yeah. Trey Lance. You, you, you can't convince me on the Packers. I know, I know that Aaron Rodgers is some superhuman being. Yeah, but that wide receiver core is so bad. That to defense me, would have to. Dude, have to you take. know, to me, what I think is the easiest bet of all time, and here I go mushing the whole thing. But is the <laughs> is the over on total wins still nine point five? They won nine games. They won. They won nine games in a transitional year last yeah. year. How can you not smash the over? on that you know i mean to me that seems like a no-brainer that's like me taking barcelona minus 2.5 yesterday against uh bumble fuck czechoslovakia or whatever that whoever they were playing you know (laughs) so i i um i i like look at it with like not cautious optimism cautious optimism but like a little slightly tempered but they have really no reason why they can't win 11 or 12 games it's like, a very me, easy schedule that sets up well for them. To me, that's not yeah. a question. That's what BLG said when we had him on last week or the week before, too, right? Was you look at the strength of schedule, it's just not – the strength of schedule in the NFL means a little bit less than it does in, in other sports, but yeah. still, 
Yeah, yeah. You, I, so I just, you have you have Devontae going for a thousand yards, but you have AJ Brown going for double digit touchdowns. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. him going for a thousand yards too. Because how many teams have had two thousand yard receivers, especially from a quarterback who's not really known for his passing chops? Yeah, that's kind of why I, I didn't put it AJ Brown as a thousand yards. I really do think they're gonna they're gonna key in on on AJ Brown this year. And I think that's why Devonte uh, Devonte Smith. You could you could tell me that uh, Dallas Goddard has a thousand yards, and I wouldn't call you crazy. Here's a hot take about that. I think the second leading receiver on the Eagles is Dallas Goddard. Yeah, you know it was AJ Brown. You know he's gonna get the CB one. Mm-hmm. Devonte Smith's gonna get the CB two, but Goddard's gonna draw you know, slot corners and, you know, linebackers and, and whatever. I think I had think how he's right. I think people are sleeping on him. Not, not anybody in Philly. No, you know, but I think nationally, uh, because when you did your fantasy football draft, man, I mean, when did Dallas Goddard go off the board? I don't do fantasy football. Well, that was a rhetorical, but he's a top five. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It sounded like a serious question. (laughs) I I think he's a top five. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, people, yeah, people weren't taking, you know, I would be interested in seeing that. I have to go back and look at ours. Um, but like, you know, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. Did Goddard sneak in their top five in some? I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah. Um, you, oh, you could argue. You could also Dawson Knox. You could argue that guy from uh, from the mm. Cowboys. You could argue. I know. Darren I'm gonna Waller. Miss, oh, Darren Waller. You could really, argue and stuff. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. he's like top five. Top. Are you, definitely top so, seven. Let me ask you quick. Are you a fancy football guy or do you think it's stupid? Um, I will be doing fantasy football again next year. This is the first year in the last five that I haven't done fantasy football. Well, I haven't done fantasy football for the last five years. This is the first year that I've actually missed it. I think it's good now that my buddies are moving out of Philadelphia and everything, and I'm one of the last ones here. I think it's good to like get everybody together yeah. and, and, and keep up with, with everybody. Um, yeah, can I we talk a little bit this, about, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go one last thought. We don't do the silly shit where it's like, we've fly to, you see that TikTok of the guys who flew to Cancun or whatever. What you doing on TikTok? Went to Connor. I have, a, I have a lurking, I lurk. On I like it. Yeah, I did see that. I, did yeah, see I only that. follow two people. I follow like um, cr- I follow Crossing Broad. I was gonna right? say you asshole. You better fucking follow Crossing. And Broad. then we had um, Devin on, and you were talking about how good her TikTok mm-hmm. um, account is. So I follow her too. So I follow Devin Caney. I follow Crossing Broad on TikTok. Nice, yeah, nice. I've the good thing zero- about TikTok is you don't have to follow anybody, and things just come up. So. Yeah, I've got zero followers and zero TikToks, and I follow two people. So that's my account. I'm like the egg on Twitter. <laughs> You're the guy yelling into the void. Um, are you hammering Eagles minus three and a half? Because I, I can't believe this this line did it, isn't it. Did it go down? I thought it was four. It, it, it's four at some books. It's three and a half at other books. It oh. keeps going up. I can't believe it's not a touchdown. I mean, no, I, I think signed you, up. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I signed up for the Caesars promo and I maxed out my money. Shout out Bob Wankel. And um, I used my free bet, my like thousand dollar, whatever free bet on the Colts. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I betted them down to like minus two and a half against the Texans. I think they beat them twice last year, like 30 to three or something. Yeah. yeah I, that was my, like, but the Eagles, you know, here's the thing. I think I think the Eagles win by, you know, seven to 10 or, or something. But I think 35, 14. Yeah, I think the Lions come out. I think it's actually kind of like maybe like a low scoring kind of like scrappy first half, you know, because they're they're pumped up. You know, Dan Campbell's got them smashing their helmet over their head and they're on hard knocks and all that shit. But then I think like the talent starts to the Eagles are not going to lose a fucking Jared Goff. No, no. I mean, all they did was get DJ Chark and Aiden Hutchinson. That's all they did to upgrade a team that had the second overall pick last year and who wasn't even really that good. Their linebacker course sucks. Jeff Okuda, is he still even on the freaking team? He was drafted a couple years ago as a first round cornerback. The Ohio State guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I know Dan Campbell like hated him last year, but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I would. I think my lock this year, and I, I usually don't like doing it. I don't like betting on the Eagles. I stopped doing that. But I would. I would take the Eagles. I can't believe it's not even six and a half, seven, maybe even seven and a half. Yeah, I think the only real, the one I'd be most comfortable with is, and I don't know what the line is now. I think it was seven and a half. But if you can get it, it's seven or six and a half. Smash Indy versus the Texans. I mean, that's is that what not, it is? I can't. Uh, I can't believe they're getting. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, never mind. Keep going. Well, I mean, it's still NFL. I mean, you don't see spreads that are that whack in NFL, but like they've got Davis Webb or. Uh, you know, Davis Mills, Davis the third Mills, guy? Davis Mills or whatever. The Davis something or other. You know, I like Davis Mills. I just don't like the the the, uh, the players around Davis Mills. Well, yeah, I mean, they don't. They've got like Brandon Cooks and um, for, uh, who the hell else? I can't. It was Randall remember. Cobb last year for a little bit, but it's yeah, the guy yeah. that misfit toys. I don't even know who who is on the Texans. I mean, if you go on the Texans roster, you'll be shocked by some of the guys who used to be. That'd be a question for our commenters. Can you name three Texans right now <laughs> that aren't named Davis Mills the third? Yeah, Jerry Jones, uh, you know Greg Abbott, and uh, Matthew McConaughey. Um, I'll tell you what, though, if the season is anything like the Eagles' uh, season ticket holder gift, <clears throat> we're in for a long season. Mm. Um, I'm, you wrote about this. I'm sure people saw it. The Eagles, the reusable bag uh, that isn't even compliant with the stadium, a schedule <laughs> sponsored by Acme, Go Bird stickers, and 10 different sponsorship cards. It's not good. It's not good from a team who's the 10th wealthiest franchise in the, uh, in the league. It's not good from a team that just increased their valuation by a billion in one season. Um, I understand like they get 15% off of the pro shop. I understand they get yeah. you know, red zone benefits. They get NFL plus access and everything. But at the end of the day, you got to take care of your fans and, and, and you got to look at some of these other ones that, uh, you know, the Raiders, you know, sent out the Patriots sent out the chiefs sent out. Um, I think Dave's pulling it up right here. Like the Raiders hall of fame, light up wall art. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Patriots one ground up concrete from the original lighthouse. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's it's cool. It's sentimental, I guess, really. It's not like anything crazy. You got a limited edition gold football from the Chiefs. Uh, the Titans sent out a Derrick Henry bobblehead. The Bengals set out AFC Championship replica rings. Even the Colts did a backpack. But they're unique kind of things, yes. right? Regardless of how expensive they are or how much time they put into it. Like, it's mm-hmm. stuff that you can't get. It's kind of like, it's supposed to be like exclusive stuff, really. Yeah. You know, the season ticket holders, if you have the money to have season tickets, you don't really need any of this shit. It's just like, hey, this is unique. We're going to do it only for you, you know. But what the Eagles season ticket holders told us was that it's been like this for years, you know, and they don't really have to. Look, I'm not going to, like, guess at what the Eagles are thinking here, but, like, they've got a waiting list for season tickets anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no good. There's some. They don't have to do anything special to hang on to these people, right? I mean, it's the Eagles. But maybe if you just – surely Jeffrey Lurie would look at this and not be – like, would he find that acceptable? I, I mean, 2020, there's turf seed, a couple cups, a go birds, uh, some bam bams, the things you smack together. I mean, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl 2019 season ticket member. Okay, you got a flag. And then I think they just gave everybody commemorative tickets of their seats from from each playoff game, uh, oh, the okay. Super Bowl right. and whatnot. So that's that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like you said, the Eagles have never been good at this. Um, but then again, yeah. you know, you, you look at it and, and I don't think Jeffrey Lurie would say, you know, that's up to par, but maybe he doesn't sign off on these things. It's probably just the marketing part. He's probably got more things like selling his green Tesla. He's got to do and getting charity money for, uh, for, for autism. But yeah. if you look at the, the Sixers ones, they do a great job. This was a thing that, um, like KYW news radio, I think handed these out as like a limited edition thing. It's like a, um, 
just a commemorative like 50 years or whatever yeah. thing but that, that's the kind of stuff that like you normally find in um these kind of packages like stuff that you yeah. don't get anywhere else you know, like that bag you know they probably hand out that stupid bag at every like little and the bag the bag's not even compliant like you can't even take that bag and get it into the stadium like you like that's a, a grocery bag great don't get me wrong but like give me something that like i can use like like i was a season ticket holder in 2019 and this is the yeah. 2019, 2020, 2021 uh, Sixers uh, season ticket packages. They always do a box. I got the worst one. I stopped being a uh, – I stopped. So Bubby Jones says at least they aren't NFTs. True. Don't get me wrong. I- I'm glad they aren't NFTs. But then again, 2019, welcome to the moment. That was the worst one. They gave us a lanyard and uh, our season ticket passes to scan, which was like, uh, okay, whatever. But – when mm-hmm. I stopped being a season ticket holder, then they went to 2020 and they did something with the Boathouse Road jerseys. And then uh, 2021 was pretty cool where they had a, what do you call those? Like a kaleidoscope kind of camera kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, was it the take on the prism thing? Yeah, it was take on the, it was take on the prism thing. So that was like yeah. just, you know, easy creative ideas. They're always nicely adorned in this beautiful box with the logo and everything. It, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but like you think about it and you see what other teams are getting and it's kind of like, I get a reusable bag and and ten sponsorship cards of, yeah, to like yeah, Santander no. or First Trust Bank that I'm not gonna ever use. I just think it's like I, you know, it means something. It's like when you're a company and you know you don't have to do something because mm-hmm. people are gonna be fine anyway. But when you do make the extra effort, even when you know you've got everybody's business and you know they've been, they're gonna be season ticket holders no matter what. I think that's the stuff that resonates. So I think that's why people are kind of disappointed. It's like a lot of people say like, "Hey, we don't need this shit anyway," and like they don't. No. But you know, you should get. You know, like season ticket. You, these are like loyal customers and loyal fans, man. I mean, this stuff does matter. You know, optics. I forget what the I forget what the quote is where it's like, if you if you provide good service, nobody will tell anybody. But if you provide shitty service, uh, someone will tell like ten different other people or something like that. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like it's it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But you're more damned if you don't because then you guys have you guys like make it TikToks. You've guys like like we got sent yeah. pictures of it like at least from yeah. like four or five or six different readers, and that's why we had to even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um. But if they if they give out something like, you know, the Raiders wall art or a really cool flag or even I think the Falcons gave out like a windbreaker. If they gave out a, a windbreaker, like, you know, it, it, you know that's yeah. even easier. Someone's, yeah. at my, someone's at my door, but I'm not going to. Do you need to get it? I don't think so. I can just blab, blab on for like five minutes if you need to talk get about uh, NBC Sports and the sideline stuff. I'll get the door. You're going to get the door. OK. Yeah. So two reports from me, uh, one yesterday, one today. NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to bring back the sideline reporter, but only for the Sixers games or the Phillies games. And they're only going to be for home games. So, right. They got three teams, Flyers, Phillies, Sixers. They're going to do sideline reporting, but only for home games for two of them. Right. Um, And my understanding is that Taryn Hatcher is going to be doing that, um, which would take her off of the Flyers desk that she is currently doing right now. And she's been doing Eagles and she's been doing other things as well. But um, I think that's a positive. Well, unless you're a Flyers fan who is a who's a fan and likes her doing that, I think otherwise you would see it as a positive because uh, just getting back to pre-pandemic levels of you know normalcy, right? I mean, they always had you know sideline reporters doing the Phillies and doing the Sixers. You know, they had Molly Sullivan for a while. They had Serena Winters. Serena was let go at the same time that Greg Murphy was let go, and so they didn't have anybody doing that for a while that was the first pandemic cup as a sideline reporters and that was that went beyond NBC sports philadelphia as well they were doing it in boston and the bay area and, and whatever so that's the thing 
that's that's probably construed. You can say like, well, are they too cheap to send, you know, to do travel or are they why not do a flyers sideline or per- person at the same time? Hey, it's it's something right. I mean, like you're going to watch these games and you're going to get play by play color commentary and somebody on the sidelines, you know, so that's that's kind of the takeaway for that. The other one was that Ruben Frank looks like he's going to be the fourth person doing uh, the Eagles pregame and postgame show. Now, I'm not entirely sure if that means he's going to be sitting on the desk with Jaws and Barkan and Barrett Brooks. Um, but there's a promo poster going around that I put up on the site today where there's a picture of the three of them with Ruben Frank in there as well. So unless he's doing like reporting from the locker room or like down in the tunnel or whatever, or being like the D gun grabbing guys coming out, you know, like replicating that role. Um, that seems to be what NBC sports Philadelphia is going to do with their Eagles pregame and postgame show. You know, we got Jacob doing Mike Missinelli and Devin and Seth Joyner and Gunner. So post postgame show. Wars, perhaps. Uh, that's an interesting. Keep an eye on this space, as they like to say. Do you think one calls out the other? Well, do you think the one pulls off the Josh Innes model and be like, you should be watching on YouTube and not that terrestrial? Yeah. I hope. Channel. Well, Mike would probably have a heart attack if he had to do another one of those scenarios, you know, like, oh, God, I'm back back in this, you know. But uh, it, it's interesting. You know, I don't know. Again, I'm interested in viewer habits here. Like, I think I asked you this question a couple weeks ago because and I think you and I, well, I'm different because when the Eagles game is over, I'm just writing, you know, and I'm, I'm going watching. to red zone. Like, I don't watch. I don't, I don't watch. You go to red zone. Yeah. So to me, it's not even like, hey, you're going to watch NBC or you're going to watch Jacob Media. Like, you're probably just turning on the four o'clock game. There is so you much know? fucking content. Like, I like when we're reading, yeah. when we're writing and stuff, there's just so much content that I'm just yeah. like, do we cover this? Do we cover that? Do we do this? Do we do that? That that's I'm just why thinking, we know, like, that's why we go down our own unique avenue and we get divorce lawyers on the show. That's true. Yeah, because it's like, can do I do I want to watch uh, the post game live? Do I want to watch Jacob Media's? Do I want to just listen to uh, Solak and uh, the other guy who just started the uh, a Shield? The other guy, yeah. sorry, Shield, uh, Shield who just started a podcast. Or do I want to listen to Birds with Friends? Or do I want to listen to another podcast and another podcast and another YouTube channel? Another. Did there I, is did I miss so that? much fucking content. Shield, uh, Shield's doing the Ringer. Yeah, Shield and Solak are doing a Ringer guy. Two football guys doing a Philly sports show. Okay. Let's get it back to the Eagles. Probably not going to be a lot of Sixers and Phillies and uh, and, and Union content yeah. unless they bring it bring it on. Um, but there's just so much content that it's just it is so hard to break through the mold. I think we're experiencing that now too, where like we're like you know trying to carve out our own little avenue. Other people are trying to carve out their own little avenue, and it's like yeah, it how do you decide saturated. on what you like? It gets saturated. I mean, the Eagles pay the bills though, and all of the. I mean, sports media households around here. But the interesting thing is that because there's so many people who are doing the same thing. Um, it means more when those outlets kind of rise to the top because like you've got a lot more competition here. I don't think people really talk about that. Like like sports media in Philly and New York is, is competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you got 30 reporters down there and they're all writing the same story about Jalen Hurts or Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts, you know, poo poo, the expectations thing, everybody's doing the same column, which who's the, then like, where do you, where do you win? Who's got the better writing? Who's got the better business model on the website whose stuff is easiest to you know you got to kind of like you know win in the margins because otherwise everybody's doing the same shit and that and that also surprised me because you know when we were doing these joint practices and everything you know the inquirer sent three guys down to miami and i was just like well, why, why do why do three guys have to go to, down to practice miami? and they and practice. In, years past, in years past they would have sent more that's they crazy to me. they like, would have sent like a marcus hayes or like a mike sealski or a column yeah. like why does josh tolentino jeff mclean and ej smith have to be down there are they are they really reporting things that are that are different? Maybe two guys. I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, um, you'd love to see like their 
you know, what their traffic looks like and how, how many, like how their Eagles stuff does compared to the other sports stuff. And uh, even like their regular news, you know, I mean, I know that in other places, I mean, like the Eagles are just number one, like, yeah, and above everything in, in the city, you know? Cause it's like, I don't read <clears throat> Jeff McLean for game previews. I read Jeff McLean for like insight. I think he is one of the best inside sources that, that the Eagles have locally mm-hmm. and whatnot. And that's why I like, you know, Jeff McLean. That's why I like reading about, I don't like, uh, reading about not always. Uh, I like player profiles. I'm not really like a games, a game script kind of, kind of mm-hmm. guy. I don't, I don't know how you usually, <coughs> you know, it's hard just cause when you work in the media, you're only like, you're so busy writing your own stuff. It's kind of hard to keep track of everybody else's, but you know, I know the art of like storytelling is kind of, it's not that it's dead, but there are fewer people doing it. You know, if you look at like what they did with Matt Breen, who was doing the Phillies for a long time, he writes now like features across all of the major sports. It's really good, like in depth, just like old school journalism. You know, it's not that there's no value. Features in that. are great. I love features. Yeah, I just my thing with that man is I just don't think, and the reason we don't do those kinds of stories is because I don't think like the younger audience has. Uh, it's not that they don't care. You. I don't. I don't think that they. It's not that they don't care. I just don't think they have because I think everybody loves a good story. I just don't think they have the capacity and like the attention span. <laughs> oh, Kev, to, to like sit there and. Kev, you don't throw a tweet within one or two, one and a half paragraphs on a post that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell, hell no! I see too much words. I see too much letters. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. And I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'll, yeah, I'll skim it. Ironically, you know, the older writers, you know, they hate putting any any media in any of their stories at all. So it's a, it's an interesting like case study, you know, and mm-hmm. what people like and what people don't. But it's like you know, it goes hand in hand with a lot of those old school mediums. Like, why am I going to watch eleven o'clock? news for the weather when i can just look at it right here mm-hmm. you know i think it's the same with all that too um i don't know what you said about the sideline reporter and whatnot i just want to give my two cents i like it i've liked a sideline reporter uh, i thought you had a good point about why hockey probably doesn't need a sideline reporter mm-hmm. um i like baseball i liked when greg murphy would just go around to the fans it gives us a lot of social media content gives yeah. us a lot of different things uh usually we get a funny guy um i like when um you know every couple of of days or uh, sorry, every couple of games we'll get um, someone who's an idiot uh, that does a uh, a game at the Sixers mid timeout. Remember that guy who did the blackjack and he hit on like twenty last year? Like that was a, a hilarious story. Like yeah. I like that kind of stuff. I like, but but that's how I like to consume my sports. I know other people are like they hate Croc, they hate McCarthy because they just talk about whatever they want and they're funny and everything. And then you have yeah. your people who love the sideline reporters. It, it looked like it was like sixty forty pro sideline anti sideline uh from yeah. what i read from the comments and whatnot but yeah long live the sideline reporter do you um you got your dollar dog stuff uh, yeah, you do? real quick dollar dog night and then we're gonna pick um let um dollar dog night let's set a record um i don't know what it is with the fills i don't know if i if i piss some people off when i when i did this whole center to casey bit it was a joke it was supposed to be lighthearted. it wasn't supposed to piss anyone off maybe because they were below 500 at the time they spent millions and millions of dollars they went over the luxury tax they didn't really want to answer for anything else except for all the field questions they were already pissed off in the front office and whatnot but here's what happened i mean it went went viral everyone's seen it i've gotten thanks at weddings i've gotten thanks at grocery stores i got thanks at random on the street i gotta thank you in uh the citizens bank uh bathroom one time uh, while I was washing my hands, thank God, not while I was at the urinal. Um, so listen, so the the the, the Phils didn't want to lean into the bit. It's fine. Uh, I would love to launch some dogs. I'd love to throw out the first pitch with Senator Casey. I think they would love it. They're actually actually going to be down in uh, D.C. doing some voting shit. I've already reached out to their communications people. But we reached out. Senator Casey's people reached out. 
No moss, crickets. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to pivot and we're going to try to break a record. The record for most dollar dogs eaten in one single game is 77,285. Insane amount of, of dogs. I think the capacity of Citizens Bank Park is 44,000. So if we sell out, everyone has two, blah, blah, blah. I'm not naive enough to think that people are going to sell out the, the Citizens yeah. Bank Park in the middle of September, two days after the uh, Eagles home opener. But I do think we can beat this record. I really honestly do believe that. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a media blitz. You might see me uh, in, in a couple of different uh, publications or on a couple uh, uh, radio shows or on a couple uh, KYW I'm doing tomorrow with Dave Uran uh, at 8 in the morning. Um, I don't know if it's live or not, but it's going to be out there. So just really trying to promote this and getting people going. And, and if you're if you're interested um, and you're listening to this, you know, come on down, buy some tickets. They're going for like sixteen dollars a piece right now. It's dollar dog night. It's one of the best of the year. I probably have to more market to college people, but let's break a record, man, because it'll be it'll be awesome. It'll be on Sports Center. It'll be on all the national blogs. It'll be on everything. If we can eat over seventy seven thousand dogs, it'll be fun. Yeah, release the dogs, man. I, you know, I stand here in solidarity with this effort. And, uh, you know, look, I, you know, we did the change.org petition to get uh, WIP to go back to to uh, one call per week and once on the weekends. And we got a thousand signatures on that. So, you know, if we have to, you know, we'll pull the Karen routine and we'll write a letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call our senators. We'll write a letter. We'll, we'll pick it outside of uh, outside of Congress or outside of City Hall and whatnot. Um, we also uh, want to do this before we get out of here. We 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 bought thirteen pairs of tickets for uh, for Dower Dog Night. Uh, we've already given four pairs away. We're just going to spin the wheel and do the next nine. So, Dave, whenever you're ready, let's do that. <laughs> Wheeldecide.com. Wheel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a not it's a, wheelie not wheelie wheelie good the racist uh, food truck in Philly right? Oh no, I didn't even know about this. Erlin, no. you win. Spin it again. Make sure to remove them. <coughs> Erlin, do you want me to write these down? No, no, no. I, I go oh. back to the I go back to the video and watch. Okay. Oh, Erlin, okay. first winner. Eight more. Andy S. Nine hundred. You don't Dang. remember that story? You don't remember the racist food truck story? No. So there was uh, two. I just remember the the racist uh, cheesesteak shop. B Simpson one one seven. Congratulations, you're a winner. Six more. There were two Asian, I think, students who ran a food truck out of like University City, and they called it Wheelie Wheelie Good, and it was just like a play on language and words and all that stuff. And they were just kind of doing some self deprecating humor, right? And huh. um, Helen Gim, the city councilwoman, like went after them because she thought it was. Ooh, that was a close one. Jay Riz. Yeah. Jay Riz. She, yeah. She went after them because she thought they were, it was like a negative you know, stereotype. Yeah. But they were Asian. They were Asian. They were so, Asian. Yeah. So Kyle yeah. Windsor, congratulations. Love to see more Kyles down at the ballpark. Um, I'm pretty sure my cousin just won in one of these. I promise you this oh, yeah. wheel, the wheel is, the wheel is, is, is not, uh, thick, uh, I don't know. Biased. It's not, it's not yeah. biased. Yeah. Rigged. The wheel is not biased. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think, I think that's six, uh, Dave. I think we need three more. Three more. I'm sorry. I'm distracting everybody with the racist food truck story. <laughs> it's it's a great. I mean, Joe's it turned into Joe's steaks and it, they still yeah. sell great steaks, no matter what yeah. the name is. That, that's seven right there. That's seven. Okay. I'm counting on my hands. Yeah, but it'd be like me doing Caucasian jokes. Be like, you can't say that. <laughs> eight Valango like, underscore why? eight. I'm from Boyertown. Why can't I? <laughs> last one. Last one. Caleb Grimm, congratulations. Sorry if you're not a winner and you're listening right now. We appreciate your business. We'll reach out 
to those uh, nine winners. Dave, yeah. thank you as always. Dave has one last stat on the way out before we get out of here. The over has hit 11 straight Lions week one game. So take that one to the bank. Go to crossingbroad.com. Get the Caesars uh, promo code. And you can bet up to twelve fifty on your first bet, free bet that you get right back. That's yep. amazing. You can't beat that. Um, so twelve twelve hundred and fifty dollars on the over uh, for the Lions. It's hit eleven straight weeks in week one, or eleven straight years in week one games. That's the end of our show. Thank you to Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell. Yeah. Kevin, I feel like you're whale. walking on you're walking on cloud nine for the rest of the for the rest of the day. I may print it out. I may just print out the picture of the three of us doing the YouTube <laughs> show at the same time. And I may send it to my journalism professor at, at WVU and be like, look, I made it. Yeah. Yeah. You you didn't think I was going to be anything, but you know, look, look at this. I'm yeah, I'm interviewing Joe Cordell, Cordell and Cordell, who's not licensed in your state. This one's for all the doubters out there. I told you I would get the divorce lawyer on the show. Look at me now. Hey, biggest guest we've had yet. Sorry to all the other guests. That was but. awesome. And Joe, I got a shout out to Joe's um, PR people were great too. They were cool yeah. with the whole thing. And like, they did a great job explaining it. And uh, that was fun, man. We'll do it again. Joe Cordell can come on the show whenever he wants. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We have a lot of good guests uh, lined up. A uh, couple former uh, Phillies, uh, Phillies athletes, Phillies managers coming up, I think in the uh, next couple of weeks. So stick out for that. We'll be here all football season. Go birds. We'll be one to know when we talk to you on Tuesday.